righty, here we are asking a technical question of Zoom while we just hit the record button on the always hot, always interesting, always on the edge of the best in the biz with the co-host Kevin Sharpley, Screen Heat Miami. Yes, JL Martinez over there in the sunshiny, sunshiny Florida heat. <laughs> Loving it. In the it's getting uh, cool everywhere else. It is. Yeah, we, we had a little little dip of winter, just a little, a little, a little <laughs> past two days. Taste of what could come, but apparently yeah. the, our friends to the north are not as heated up as Screen Heat Miami. They are no, they could just listen to this this next episode. Warm them right up. Absolutely. Yep, that's exactly what is going on, my friend. Of course, we cannot start a Screen Heat Miami without thanking our amazing sponsors, including Kijik Multimedia, Cinevision, Kamakul, and the Miami Media and Film Market. Absolutely. We had a great conference this summer. As a matter of fact, our guest today was also a featured speaker at the MMFM 12, which you introduced to the conference and the podcast. So thank you for that, Kevin. Uh, the very yes. talented Miss Arlen Brochet is our guest today. Yeah. And, you know, it was great to do the interview with her because I was busy at MMFM doing interviews with a lot of other folks while you were on stage interviewing her or That's having right. a masterclass with her or a one-on-one -on -one or whatever you want to call it. So I missed that because I was interviewing other people. So it was really great. You know, I've known her for years mm -hmm. and to see her ascent in the industry and for her to be able to do it from here, to do it on her own terms, to do it. She is a Miami uh, person, uh, is extraordinary. And then to see her, you know, get the award, the golden orange there at the MMFM, it was so well-deserved and it almost, made me think back to the moment that Carlos Rafael Rivera uh, received his golden orange. And then he went on to win another Emmy. I'm not saying that the golden orange helped him to win the Emmy, but uh, you know. Yeah, it's- uh, <laughs> that, we've, we've That had energy a track. and momentum can't hurt. I was gonna say, we've had a track record of that, of, uh, of these sort of uh, filmmakers and composers and producers that have gotten some recognition in MMFM and then lo and behold they they seem to make it elsewhere <laughs> whether by Manville. yes Ethan huge show on Netflix we got to mention Ethan who is an MMFMer and of course a Screen Heat alumni uh, definitely doing some big things over at Netflix with the top animation show on the platform and he even got into the top 10 with his show The Oddballs Overall, yeah, top yeah. 10 overall. It was the number one kid's show for, you know, a week or so. And I'm right. sure it goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. it, you know, went down number six, came back up to number one. But yeah. just to have that as a notch in the belt is tremendous. I think he was our third interview. That's right. Third, maybe fourth interview. And the interview, as we always do, we, we, you know, we like to talk about the lives of the people and what made them what they are and where they're headed and so that interview had a lot to do with you know Ethan was a skateboarder he's had this Volkswagen bugs I don't know how many iterations of Volkswagen bugs over the years so just a, an all all around cool guy and so it 
could not have happened to uh, a cooler guy. So congratulations, Ethan, on yeah. that um, that achievement. Absolutely. And, and speaking of achievements, obviously, you'll hear from Arlen directly after our intro, but she has uh, made some great headways, particularly over at NBC with Young Rock. She co-stars in season two as the Young Rock's wife, which is based on the real life Danny Garcia. The powerhouse. Uh, yes. Danny Garcia. So, to, yes. you know, even though it's an earlier version of her to fill those shoes, that had, you know, it's a tough thing. Yeah. And she was, you'll hear in the interview, handpicked. And yeah. so with that being said, to be handpicked by that powerhouse team, it doesn't get much bigger than that. So mm-hmm. big congratulations. And, um, you know, when we jump into the interview, you'll see why. Mm. she's uh definitely a champion yeah great um, interview but uh yeah absolutely but we do have a couple of stories to get to before we get to the jump which includes uh you know uh speaking of big things black panther Wakanda big champions is- whoa it's back and they are predicting a massive theatrical opening for the next iteration of the uh, Marvel franchise, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which is now tracking, according to Variety and Hollywood Reporter, at $175 million plus opening domestically in November. Yeah, and that's saying a lot Mm. when it is a sequel, but no one really knows what's going to happen. Yeah, 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 we were mentioning- Uh, You know, rest in power, Chadwick Boseman, Right. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman, who really helped define, if not defined, what the Black Panther movie and the Black Panther character really uh, is all about in the new MCU, the new Marvel Universe. But the momentum, speaking of momentum, really is there. Mm. I mean, that massive opening, 175 million, which probably will grow moving yeah. towards the real opening of the film. That's as big as it gets. It, it is, yeah. And, and you know, granted, the first Black Panther back in 2018 uh, did a little over 200 million. It was about 202 million, which was huge back then. And so this particular iteration, like you said, without Chad Bozeman, I'm sure there's going to be an incredible tribute to him at some point, you know, the whole film. But uh, I think that this this hasn't even accounted yet for the big marketing muscle that Disney is planning to put in. They haven't even, you know, unleashed a lot of the the the, the marketing dollars yet uh, on this film, which I'm sure we're going to start to see as we get closer to its release in November. So it could track north of 200 million by the time we're done. Yeah, and I'm feeling the same kind of buzz happening as I did when Black Panther debuted. And also, you know, the Woman King. So I'm a part of a lot of these groups, whether they're Facebook groups or um, Reddit groups. And there are a lot of, whether it's, you know, DC groups, Marvel groups, Black nerd groups, nerd groups. (laughs) And a lot of these groups are buying out theaters as soon as the tickets went on sale. They're buying out theaters around the country Hmm. so that they could have those theaters already available for the people that are part of these groups to be some of the first people to watch the movie. And, Hmm. you know, this is not just watching this movie. This then becomes more of uh, a movement. And The Last Black Panther was a global kind of movement. It becomes more of, you know, this gathering, this group gathering 
uh, less than just being an individual cinematic experience. So this that's a big deal for, for Marvel and for the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, they really did it right. Yes, yeah, and they have been doing, like, again, a lot of that credit goes to their chief over there, Kevin Feige, who has done an incredible job in building the cinematic universe over the decades now and entering a new phase, which does not look like it is slowing down. So this interview is not a comeback. This is a story of success and build. So yeah. wait till you all hear this. This was arguably, you know, one of our greater stories in terms of being able to fight and build a career on her own terms. Absolutely. So. Just like our, our Cuban Frank Sinatra doing it her way. <laughs> Arlen Brochet. <laughs> there you go. All right. Recording in progress. We love to hear that sound on Screen Heat Miami. And we are here with a very, uh, very cool, very special live interview with Arlen Brochet. I said it correct this time, right? Yes. Yes. Awesome. All right. I'm Kevin, we are back with another interview. And again, we were discussing, we're going to go back into it in the outro, coming off a very, very intense and productive MMFM conference. It was super productive and, you know, perhaps one of the greatest MMFMs yet. Oh, that's saying quite a bit, my friend, but thank you. Yeah, it was it was a team effort, as you know. Sorry yes. about that. I just didn't want you to have dogs barking throughout our interview. So oh, we've had worse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 Ab absolutely. Yes. We've had worse. We've had better. It's all part of the new normal now, Arlen. That's that's the world we are in. You know, and it's not just obviously podcast interviews. Now, you know, you can call your insurance company at Progressive and you hear kids screaming in the background and dog. Yeah. Everybody's working from home. <laughs> you call it anybody, anybody. I'm any just trying to services. lower my rate. I don't want to put your baby to sleep anyway. Such is life. That's life. It's happening all around us all the time. Yes. Yes. No, it definitely is. That's that's the new the, the new life, the new normal. But we're getting through it. And, and again, we're very happy to be speaking with you today. So many exciting things coming your way and that have been a part of your professional career but you know as as kevin and i like to do we always like to interview our guests as, as a journey not a destination so let's start from the beginning uh tell our audience a little bit about you know who you are where you're in your life yeah that's what it's all about life we want to hear about your life right from the early days exactly i love that you said that it's about the journey not the destination because that's been something that i've lived by for a long time. I used to always be concerned about, oh my gosh, when I get to here, when I get, when I get this, pro uh, when this happens and it's like, no, cause when that happens, it's like, what's the next thing? And it, you know, yeah. so, all right. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, how far back would you like to go? <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. I have, do you want me to talk about acting? Do you, I mean, no, I mean, let's just start, you know, where were you born? Where you raised? I think that that's far back enough. I was born in Hialeah Hospital, okay? Uh, my mom never lived in Hialeah, but my mom's gyno was in Hialeah, and I was born in Hialeah Hospital. I was then, uh, of course, lived in Miami, Florida all my life, born and raised, you know, technically Miami, Hialeah, slash Hialeah for a minute. Uh, and uh, Cuba. We love Hialeah, by the way. <laughs> yes, one of my favorite quotes. I love in, in my... too, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> the H. Yes, in, in Miami County. 
All roads lead to Hialeah. That's what I always say. Oh, yeah. Um, so we uh, born and raised in Miami. Uh, my parents are Cuban. My family's Cuban. So my background, my culture, you know, raised in Cuban, Cuban family. Um, so, you know, we love to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and to talk really loud and use our hands for gestures. Uh, <laughs> so my father, so just to give you a little bit of background as to how I was so inspired to become an actor. Originally, it uh, was my father that was the inspiration behind it. He was a very, very successful actor in Cuba. Um, back between uh, 1970, 80, um, he, before he came on the Mario Boat Lift, he did, he was like the lead role in like films and shows. And, um, and my mom and him would always talk about it. And when he came into the States, he, he worked as an MC, a choreographer for weddings and 15s. And so I remember when I was little, I used to always watch him and I, I was in awe and I, and, and I always had the desire to express myself in, you know, this explosive way and very descriptive. And I always wanted to like be animated and it was this whole thing. And so I, I was, and then, you know, one day my dad comes up to me and he's like, you know, I noticed that you really enjoy acting and and just performing and talking this way and we do like little skits at home so it was so funny I, I'm gonna see if I pick up some VHS footage that I have do you guys remember that VHS yeah I mean we love to put it on the <laughs> website so you know if we can yes. somehow get that that'd be great I'm, I'm a blockbuster oh, kid myself so yes very familiar oh, god I love <laughs> blockbuster those are the best like blockbuster nights um yeah. we're throwing it back all right we're, we're here we're here putting our age forward with this information so yes okay. well and speaking of Hialeah <laughs> one of my favorite local video stores growing up was called Video Vice and it had all the same color and theme as Miami Vice oh and yeah so, yes when, when when we couldn't make it to the blockbuster we would always the second stop was always the good old Video Vice so, um, so yeah, so my brother, my sister and I, so my sister and my brother, are both attorneys, they went to law school, but oh, wow. when we were growing up, my parents were, my mom is a nurse, but she was also very artistic. She writes poetry, she paints. And so we grew up in a very artistic home household. So my, we had one of those like camcorder, like the big ones with the VHS, you know, with a little cassette and, and we would create skits and we would record them. And this was totally like way before social media, way before like reels and everything that's going on now. And I, my, my dad saying to me, he said, listen, you know, I see that you love this. Like you, he's like, here's a Stanislavski book. He's like, read this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> he's like, just let me know what you think. And I'm like, um, yeah. So I just naturally and organically continued um, acting when I remember when I was in, um, I want to say second grade, I auditioned for Romeo, Romeo, Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And I performed it in the auditorium in my school, Joha Elementary. And it was, it was very, very intense for a second grader to be, you know, reciting uh, Shakespeare and, and playing, you know, Juliet and Romeo's, R Romeo and Juliet's um, play. And man, I, I just, love I've always loved it I've always loved performing I've always loved storytelling I love connecting I love creating impact with stories and so for me it's something that really drives me inside even when I'm doing business even when I'm talking other things like if we can talk about something the most bland thing and bring it to life man what's better than that like we're so sick of like these okay here we are no no, no it's like all right all right guys <laughs> get into it what's today you know bringing yeah. that energy that vibe that thing like I'm all about that yeah. so um so yeah so continue doing it and then somewhere in I want to say high school 
I was a little bit like, okay, well, I like acting, but you know, you have uh, shiny objects. And I met my husband. I was senior uh, in high school. We went to prom together. He was 10 years my, my senior. And, um, and then I, you know, focused on my kids and whatnot. And I stepped away from like acting and show business and whatnot. And, um, and I built this background in business and networking and business, understanding how to develop brands, how to work on, you know, different um, types of businesses. Like I learned in the street, you know, even though I had studied, I went, I did a couple of business classes at FIU, but then I was like, all right, let's get our hands dirty. Let's do this. You know, like <laughs> there's no better experience than the one you get when you go in the field. You know, it's like, it's kind of like with acting classes, you know, you can take a thousand acting classes and it's great because it's great to have that base, but until you get on a set and until you start working and until you start thrown, you're thrown with these different things, you got to roll with the punches and you got to say, okay, well, yeah. we'll you know what you, you you got pushed into the deep end of the pool like what do you do you gotta figure it out like yeah. <laughs> so um so yeah um i don't know where i left off i kind of go into yeah so well, no, that's, i mean that's a, it's a high school sort of and then yeah 10 years oh. later you started 10 10 years after high school, oh, high school. Is that yes so yes so i began wow. i remember sitting in my office i was a healthcare administrator and i remember sitting in my office and saying you know, like this, I am not, I had already had a bakery. I had had a billing company. I had had like several businesses, a healthcare company, like different things in business. And I was like, I was like, this isn't, this isn't my life. Like, this isn't what I want to be doing. I don't want to wake up and do this every day. I mean, yeah, money is money. It's great. But so what? Like money is a vehicle. And if, and, and I always said to, you know, I was like, I was would tell my husband at the time, I, said, I was like, if, even if I were to win the lottery, I would still pursue this career. I would mm -hmm. still be revved up about storytelling and about, you know, so basically I began after I finished my work at night in the office, exhausted, I would go online and I started researching, all right, an acting coach. How can I, you know, I want to, you know, audition for the theater department at FIU, um, performance. I started looking into workshops. I said, I got to build a resume because I understood the business background. And I said, I got to build a resume. I got to, you know, find, you know, a good photographer, headshot photographer, get some good headshots, start interviewing with agents. I was like, who are the local agents? And then I started understanding the market, you know, and in that time mar markets fluctuate, you know, so at that time I understood, I was like, all right, Florida, there's a couple of shows filming here. And cause I was always thinking big, always like I'm a, I'm, I'm always thinking, all right, how can we make this like this, as opposed to like, well, I understand, like we have to work baby steps to get to the big step and it's a one drop every day. But by the same token, it's like, all right, what's our goal? Like what's and reverse engineer that. So, um, so yeah, so that's basically what it was. 10 years later, I was like, what am I doing? And then I began just pursuing it. Because at first it was like, okay, well, I'm going to go back to school. That was the idea. I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to study nursing because I was in healthcare. And then I was like, I went to the first, I was like, I would see my mom and blood and I always had a thing with needles. And I was like, yeah, no, this is not going to work for me. So I was like, forget that. And then I went back and I was like, all right, I'm going to do PR or, or maybe uh, be a journalist. Like that's, that's my, you know, like I'm a mom, like that's appropriate. And then I, I was like, you know, why am I getting in my head? Why am I judging this whole thing? I'm, no, I'm going to let them all hang out there theoretically. And I'm going to go for what I really want, which is acting. And then I auditioned for the theater department and I made it and started coaching privately. I've coached with so many people, 
New York, Los Angeles, Atlanta. Um, I mean, you name it. I've both flown in person to do classes, to do workshops, and I've done them online. Even when COVID hit that we were here, it literally was months of one-on-one -on -one NYC with casting directors, with acting class, with, I was in my studio. So we're actually doing this podcast in my studio, my house, in here all the time. At one point, I think I got burned out that I, I told my husband, I was like, I was like, I think I'm not going to take a class for a while. I think I'm just going to let everything sink in. So, so yeah, finding opportunity everywhere. And here we are. Yeah. You got yeah. zoomed out as we like to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think a lot of people got zoomed out. Um, you know, during COVID my company, or I have another company, a company that's in Ireland and we do animated avatars for uh, video telecommunication. So for zoom and Facebook Messenger and all those things. And man, to have that animated avatar there in place of you as a person, it takes off so much pressure. You, know? oh my you, God. Can, you can walk around the house, you're doing all eating and fixing stuff. And, you know, being on that Zoom is, you know, it can be draining. But, you know, this is really interesting because when we, we say that we focus on the journey of the person, this is a really unique journey because you learned the business side first before you uh, got into the deep end of acting and you applied that business, your business sensibility towards what you were going to do as an actress. Um, and from what I can surmise, that helped you to, to move through uh, very fast. So this could be a lesson for a, you know, a lot of people that are getting into, I would say both in front and behind the camera um, that have thought about, uh, you know, your path and how to really, uh, hi, um, how to really put together uh, a path. <laughs> yeah, how to really put together a path for yourself. So um, I just want to kind of take it from uh, you uh, getting into the theater program at FIU to your first audition and then your first job can you uh talk about you know how so, that came okay about? so i i'm gonna definitely thank you so much it was a great, great question um i began working with christina weiler she was a an actress um i think she was in the movie with arnold schwarzenegger and tom, tom arnold i forget the the name now oh it was like uh, nine, james it up I, th I think it was uh um, true lies that's right true lies. True lies. Yes. true lies she yeah. wasn't true lies that was a big one here he was the mm -hmm. true lie she's a lady that answered the phone with uh when uh uh he called his wife called and she's like oh just give me a second but anyways right. she was local to miami and i found her and she had such great energy and so she started coaching me like the the foundation the basics things that you know as far as like auditioning acting whatnot and she helped me with my audition with my monologue to audition for the theater department at fiu and when they were holding auditions, you know, I signed up, I had already been a student, like I said, because I was, I was, I went back for one thing, then went back for the other, and then I changed my major, and then I went into the theater department, and I, and so I auditioned, made it in, and then I, um, I, I kept doing that, and so what I started doing as I was, so in FIU, you either get your, your BFA or your BA, I was more geared towards my BA, and I, I basically completed all my performance, like voice and movement, all the performance prerequisites and what was missing because I, I didn't completely finish. I think I had some credits like uh, stagecraft or uh, I think it was costumes, like things that were more geared towards theater and 
the techie, you know, like the, the craft and of, of like create sewing and those things that I didn't finish. But I realized I was like, all right, I, I have to, I want to focus on film and television and I want to continue working on my craft, on my, on my, on acting in, 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 for my acting career. But I also need to understand that, like, I need to start understanding like the market, like, okay, casting directors, how do we get on TV shows? Who are the people that, that ex- put us in that, in that position? And so I started taking a lot of casting director workshops. So I began taking workshops with Lori Wyman. She's up in North Miami beach. Are you familiar with Lori Wyman? I yes. started in front of the camera. So, um, and, and, and to be fair, Lori Wyman, uh, we also interviewed her at the MMFM in a previous year. We did a yeah. whole section on agents, casting directors, and managers. So we had her, we had uh, Uncle Luke's manager that year. Uh, mm-hmm. Luther Campbell's manager was there. And then we had an agent from Stellar uh, Talent Agency as well. So Cindy? Cindy, yes. Great, oh, Cindy, great, my, great. Cindy is the, yes. one of the agents that I've worked with here in Miami. She's great in Florida. Um, okay, so I I began taking casting director workshops. I got an agent and and I just started putting myself in front of camera because it was like, all right, we, we're taking the acting classes, but what is it to go into the audition room? Because a lot of it is people think, oh no, because once I'm on set and everything, and it's like, no, you got to get through the audition before you get to the set. So you can be the best actor on the face of the earth, but if you don't have, there's a lot of technical aspects that go into auditioning for tape for, for, in a casting director, you know, in a casting room, or even when you self tape that, that is like for camera and how that a lot of that I felt that I, I don't want to talk for anybody else for me, I didn't understand. And I would go into a cat and I, I was like, Oh my God, what is this? What am I doing? You know, whatever. And just having those, that experience in those workshops and understanding the, the, the dynamic of, okay, you walk in, you know, it was all of that getting comfortable with that understanding. Okay. Well, I walk in, we do all these mock auditions. All right. We work on scripts. We work on character breakdown. We work on this. We work on that. Oh, that's what the character, that's what the casting director's thinking, or this is how it goes. And, and so understanding all of that and putting all that pieces of puzzle together was essential. It was amazing. It was, it was, it was a piece of the big piece of the puzzle. And, um, and so my agent started me submitting me for, I think my first, well, okay. So I know in my, you know, I said, okay, I have all this, all these classes I've taken, all these workshops, you know, I'm put in the work, I'm putting in the work. I need to get some experience. I need to get some footage. I need a reel. So like one of my agents was like, well, you need a reel. Or not one of my agents back then. My agent was like, well, you need a reel because, you know, when you want to go for bigger projects, they're going to ask for that. So I said, all right, what's the best way? And then I was like, you know what? Student films. But then I was like, I don't want just any student film. I don't want student films that like, no, no, I want like good, like great footage. So I went and I started looking on online for UM thesis student like mm. projects. Yeah. I remember there was websites like mandy.com and things like that. And some of these students, I mean, my gosh, like they had a whole crew. They were using like the red cameras. The, the quality was amazing. I had already seen some of the projects they had worked on. So I started submitting myself. Like I was my own agent where of course I knew I wasn't going to get compensated, but I needed the footage. Yeah. So I said, all right. So I started submitting myself and then I would, they would call me in to go into like an audition and then I would audition and then I would have a chemistry read. And then I understood about all this whole little process callback through the student films. And, um, and it was a great experience. I mean, I learned so much, not just on acting. I learned a lot of how to be on set or like the, the dynamics, you know, it was, it was a little bit, um, not as, as, uh, as controlled or as, as per schedule when you work on a real set, as far as, you know, 
for bigger productions, but, but it was definitely a wonderful experience. And then from then I, I started building my reel little by little and my agent submitted me for the projects in Florida. And I remember one of the projects that I auditioned for was for ballers for the pharmacist. And so mind you, I did this scene, right? I'm this co-star, you know, in the, in the show. And now I, in hindsight, I'm, you know, I get two pages scene was, you know, like work on the scene, work on the scene, work on the scene. I remember in the shower the night before, I'm like, say my lines. And I'm like, you know, whatever I go into the, into the audition the next day in Lori's office and, you know, I walk in and I did the tape, you know, I, I did the audition. I hadn't even known. I didn't even figure it out. Look at, look at what, how that the guy that I was in the scene with was Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> Oh wow! Another my Florida wow. actor. Hey, uh, on the on the first on, on on the first call on the first audition on the first. Well, when I get the when I get the script, it's yeah. two pages. I'm like, all right, she's a pharmacist. She's in the far like. I'm here just thinking, okay, she's a pharmacist. She's attending a guy. The guy comes in. He's asking for his pain medication, and then of course, blah blah blah. And I'm doing this whole work on my thing. Okay, acting, blah blah blah. But I didn't even look. I was like, who's Spencer Strasmore? Like, I I didn't even. <laughs> it was like I'm like, all right. I walked in there and I was like. Mm. I, yeah. I walk out I'm like bye thank you I walk out I left blah 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 you know I remember I'm in Universal Studios and Halloween Horror Nights with my kids October 20 something 2015 and my agent calls me he's like you know what and I was like what he's like you booked ballers and I was oh, like wow. oh my gosh I was wow. like this is my first big like I was like oh my god I can't believe this this is amazing <laughs> and so I looked up Spencer Strasmore on Google. Uh, yeah, like, that's great. I'm like, oh my God, okay, let me look into, you know, and that, Spencer Strasmore, that- Dwayne Johnson's picture pops up on my uh, phone. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I was like, yeah, yeah so that's, cool. yes. I mean, obviously we got to go into the backstory of that, but you know, it, it is impressive as a Florida actor to book a, a speaking role like that because as we know here in the local industry, so many of those roles are booked directly out of New York and LA. Yeah. And really the Florida actors are usually relegated to either obviously the background roles or just the featured extra roles. Uh, but to book a role like that as a South Florida Miami actress is a huge accomplishment and a testament to not only your creative, but your business savvy, as Kevin was saying. Yeah, yeah and I, I can say, um, and this is what I was saying before, I actually started in front of the camera. So, you know, and I still have an agency, uh, the green agency, but uh, I just don't do this stuff as much, but that was my full-time job. And so, you know, I've traveled the world doing that and I, I understand. Know. I didn't know that about you, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I try to keep the world separated. International so, man of mystery, that's what I call <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I've made a lot of money through uh, Lori Wyman's and, you know, Universal Casting and before that, you know, uh, Ed and, you know, all these people. And so I know the world really, really well. Um, so I, and then I transitioned behind. And so JL and I both went to UM together. And, uh, you know, I started my company at UM and I was doing those castings, you know, bringing in um, actors from, you know, around uh, all around Miami. And oh, then so my you first did castings for, for, for UM projects. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, my first big project out of UM was a documentary that Danny Glover narrated. 
And so, you know, I was on the opposite side, you know, definitely trying to get the biggest talent that I could work with. And uh, perhaps <laughs> um, there could have been a moment, I, I know we met about uh, 10 years ago, but um, there could have been a moment that we could have crossed paths because I was definitely putting out auditions and, and those kind of things. It's funny how things come around full circle. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, but I, I think that's a good point, though, Kevin, about coming full circle, because um, you mentioned getting this huge part in Ballers, breakout role, HBO, The Rock. But you had actually come across The Rock and I guess his ex-wife and manager, Danny Garcia, uh, in a world outside of acting, right? Yeah. Just out of happenstance. Years prior, years prior, uh, and I think we talked about it. We brushed up on it on the, at the uh, MMFM. But yes, I was at the gym with my brother, little teenager, and she, and my brother sees Dwayne, The Rock. Back then, nobody knew him as Dwayne. It was more about the you know Rock, and he was a wrestler. hadn't even gone into anything in Hollywood. And my brother's like, oh my God, oh my God. He was a huge wrestling fan. And I kind of saw it, but it wasn't as much as him. He was, and he's like, you have to get his autograph. You have to go, please. He was, he's a lot more shy than I am. And, um, and I was like, I was like, I was like, I am not going to go up to a full grown man. Because when you're a teenager, you think like a 22 year old is like an older person. And I was, and I was like, I am not going to go. And he's like, please, please, I'll, whatever you want. What do you, you know, brother, sister dynamic. And I was like, fine, fine. So I went up to him. Well, thank you. Thank you. My brother. <laughs> I went up to him and I was like, excuse me. Um, me and my brother are really big fans and I would really love an autograph. And he was so nice, which was, was so refreshing because he was generally yeah. such an, he was so big because he's impressive like i remember he had these really big calves like they look like rocks <laughs> hence the name the rock. <laughs> hence the name no pun intended so yeah. um he he walked to the front uh the front desk at the gym at porky's in the hammocks and danny was with him they were dating at that time and so he signed it on a piece on a napkin or on a paper and, and I remember he turned around and he said, you know, is there anything you want me to write or whatever? And I was like, no, just, you know, whatever. And so he signed and he's like, oh, very nice to meet you. And I shook his hand. And I know he always talks about having rough hands. At that time, I remember him having really soft hands. And I, and, and I saw Danny and she's like, oh, nice to meet you, whatever. And so I left. And when I tell Danny the story, when we conferenced in conference called in Australia, when I was shooting um, Young Rock, uh, she says to me, funny enough, you're playing me right now, right around the same time that I met you in real oh. So I get chills, like yeah. chills. That's full circle right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's real full circle. In the story of his life. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. It's uh, yeah, a little bit of life imitating art, imitating life. And the whole, I, and the whole thing that you were guys were talking about with regards to business and having the business strategy. I remember, all right, who do I want to work with? How do I want to do this? Cause it's like, I always thought about it as far as business. And I said, I would love to work with Danny Garcia and Dwayne Johnson. I would love to work with them. You know, when I started out my career and I wrote a letter and I said it at the MMFM too, I wrote a letter to seven bucks and two, and I was like, you know, dear. And I, you know what it's funny? Cause I found the letter in my email. <laughs> I was laughing the other day um I wrote a letter and I remember saying you know I would love to work with you and then so the fact that I'm working with oh now, wow mm, 
Wow. And, and what's funny too, is that Danny Garcia comes from a business background. And I think she studied business and finance at the university of Miami, uh, along with the rock, who was very, very good football player there around one of our earlier national championship years. Um, not that I'm too excited about this upcoming season, but we, I don't want to sidebar too much. Um, go Mario Cristobal. Anyway, um, <laughs> Cuban guys get it done. And Kevin. <laughs> and now they own the XFL and so, the XFL. So, the XFL yeah. Yes, absolutely. So they're it's, selling uh, tickets. They're yes. selling tickets now. So huge, yeah, huge. Every business they get into, whether it's acting, making movies, Red Notice, their tequila brand, everything just seems to blow up. And you tequila, know the tequila about? is amazing. Oh, Terramana, yeah, yeah, yeah. Terramana, yeah. So it's, at a good uh, price. Yes. So what I love about, about the, their energy and their vibe working with them is it's, it's so, you feel so good. It's not, you don't feel like you're talking to like this executive that has had all this success and this stuff and it's stuffy and no, 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 no. It's like, Hey, it's very, like, very, like much like our conversation now it's that kind of vibe Mm -hmm. and that, Oh my God. It's like, yes, I love it. I love it. It just feels seamless. So, so, you know, obviously, so you do ballers, uh, you know, uh, and uh, you have a great run there. Uh, Unfortunately, ballers didn't move to California uh, for other reasons that we like to talk about other than creative, but they did end up moving the show out west. So what happens for you in terms of your journey next? Turns of my journey, I said, I kept telling myself, all right, back to the drawing board, back to the drawing board. Like, don't let this get in your head. Like, even now. Like I, I booked this big role and I booked another lead role and I continue to get auditions and I'm like, back to the drawing board. What's the next move? What's the next step? A lot of us get to the, what we think in our mind, because we've, we've already programmed ourselves to think this is where I want to be. And we always shift and everything is always changing and shifting and evolving. And it's like, no, like what's, what's the next strategy or move or path, or how can I take this to something else? And so I went back to the drawing board. I started uh, taking classes again. I started going back to taking workshops. I doubled down with my agents. I, I was always very, I was pretty, I also right after ballers, I said, okay, um, I'm going to go back to class. I'm going to do this, but I'm like, but I, I realized that I wasn't getting a lot of uh, hits with regards to auditions or requests for auditions in Florida. And I saw that the Atlanta market was moving. Again, it goes back to business, like understanding, like, all right, what am I doing here? Like, how is this not, you know, creating a, a, an effect, you know, cause and effect. So I said, I need, I need an Atlanta agent, but I'm like, but I live in Florida. I was like, it doesn't matter, Arlen. It's like, you got to do what you got to do. Okay. So I started submitting my demo that I've created for my student films. I got the clip from Ballers too. So that was like my cherry on top with the rest of the stuff. And I started emailing and email and I was not getting anything. It was like crickets. It was like, and I was like, oh my God. So I remember at one point I was like, you know what? I got to change this. So I made a cover letter and the cover letter was really spicy and spunky. And it was like, all right, this is my resume. This is my demo reel, but you have not met anybody like me. I am willing to go to the depths of the earth and I am doing this and I'm doing that. And my cover letter was so that I got a, I got a call back from an agent. And she's like, you know, I really liked your cover letter. <laughs> and I like nice. your And we want to sign you. And wow. I, said, I said, she says, all right, but let me just let, let me just tell you, are you willing to fly out 
if we need. Mm -hmm. I said, I said, absolutely. I'm a woman of my word. So if I get a call back or if I get something that is substantial enough for me to fly out, I will do it. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started flying out. And that's the same thing that happened when I got my New York and my Nashville agent. Oh, see, wow. (laughs) So that was after. So I kept working, you know, and then I booked a couple more things. I booked uh, the inspectors in a shot that is South Carolina. And then I booked uh, the have and the have nots in Atlanta. And I had booked some other things that I couldn't, that I actually couldn't shoot because of, not not booked it, but I had, they had been like, we want to book her. And I couldn't shoot some stuff because of family. So it was a couple of credits that I, but I, I was like, all right, I, I, you know, I, I'm ready for more. I want more. I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And let me tell you, I auditioned for, I've auditioned a lot and, you know, I learned that for me, psychologically, it was, it was very difficult at times because I was like, why, what am I not doing that? You know? And I realized, I was like, you know what? Some will, some won't. Who cares? Who's next? We mm. can't focus on what we can't control. Yeah. And, um, and I always think about the serenity prayer. I go back to that. Very, very human. I'm going to take it out of business for a second. I know this is a business podcast, but it's also we're humans. It's God, give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, which are the exterior world. Uh, wisdom to change the things I can I'm knowledge to change the things I can, which is our interior and wisdom to know the difference. And so I always said, some will, some won't, who cares who's next? Yeah. And that's That's my problem. And so I also focus on family. I focus on things that weren't acting, you know, cooking, uh, you know, playing, working out, playing things with my kids, sports, activities. And I said, you know, I'm a human. This is not just acting. This is not just business. This is a whole life. And so when I did have my down moments, those are the things that I focused on. And those are the things that I said, I need to make sure to keep this, my mind. I know we're, we're on a podcast. I'm like this. And you're not like, what is that? My mind straight so that I can do what I need to do to keep moving forward. And yeah. I haven't booked anything for about a good year and a half and almost two years. And then I booked... And I booked these two big roles and here we are. Wow. YouTube guys that are. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this, this is, this is really a great story for uh, everyone to hear because, yes. you know, Miami and we would say Florida was at one point, And I would say maybe eight years ago or nine years ago, one of the biggest in the country in terms of uh, production and in terms of the TV and film industry. I mean, around the time of ballers, we had, five what's called high impact television shows shooting at the same time. And so to go from five high impact television shows and there were four films shooting at the same time uh, to uh, you know almost uh, nothing uh, is a testament to the will and strength that you have as an actor and as a person, you know, to be able to persevere and to create a path. And, as I said, this is this is really a great story for not just people in Miami and not just uh, people in Florida, but for anyone in the industry. So you know, this is this is really great for us to have this, and we're not done yet, but to have this as an addition 
to all of the other interviews that we have, everyone has had a, a different journey. Yeah. So um, we do want to talk about your uh, roles, your huge roles. I mean, we can't just gloss over that. We want to hear, you know, how you got to that point and, uh, you know, what it was like moving forward from the point of the first big role to the point of the second big role. So, um, so I, I, I got the Atlanta agent and I started getting more requests for TV and film. And it was a lot of co-stars, a lot of guest stars, a lot of, and then these TV has a quick turnaround. So it's like, you book something, you're shooting it like, boom, boom, you know, the smaller roles. Like if you're auditioning for a big lead role or something bigger, it normally is with more time. It's, you know, it's like, this is a main cast this is what's happening. But like these guest star, co-star roles are quick. They come in, it's a pharmacist, it's the guy, it's the dentist, it's the dental assistant. It's the, okay. And so I started getting a lot more requests for that. And I knew I was like, I got to get on my, you know, quick turnaround. So I would start, I started going to uh, Lori Wyman's because Therese, she used to work at Lori Wyman's studio would put me on tape for these mm -hmm. other auditions for other projects and started working with her. Then I remember at one point I even worked with Mark McCulley, Lori's husband. He worked with me a lot. Like I took some workshops with him. He put me on tape and I started working with different people and just taping and self, you know, doing all this stuff. And then I started working with someone else, uh, my friend Ilana out of Fort Lauderdale to do tape, self tapes for auditions too. And then I booked, you know, the inspectors in South Carolina. And then I booked um, the, I actually booked Bloodline too. I booked, oh, I booked oh wow. Bloodline. Yes. Uh, yeah. I shot it and my scene was, was with Leo Butts, the, one of the brothers. And I uh, was a dental hygienist. And it was so good working with him. I was like, oh my God, such a great actor. <laughs> and uh, my scene was cut in Bloodline. Oh, wow. But, and also in Ballers, I had a second, I was a recurring Ballers. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about that one. I was a co-star yes. and I ended up becoming a recurring character. They brought me back yes. as a potential love interest, but the scene was cut. Uh, they went with another storyline, but regardless so so then it was um then I booked the inspectors and then I booked the having the have-nots with um mm. Tyler Perry right yeah and I always I remember I used to always say oh my god I want to work with Tyler Perry I love Tyler Perry Tyler Perry is amazing you know like his stories like I love you know his the, the way the, the the heartfelt grit like it's so good and uh I booked that and then I I remember saying okay well I need to rev this up like I you know and sometimes I couldn't I, I was driving to Fort Lauderdale to book to my, I had my kids volleyball the school mom the kid you know, thank god my husband was so helpful but it was like I had to be driving think about it in like traffic or in the afternoons or when we fit to tape sometimes one two auditions because I would try to you know and I was getting a lot of requests because they were smaller roles and drive back at night sometimes it was till two in the morning crazy hours and um and when we moved because I moved to another house I remember saying well no I, I told my husband I was like I gotta make my own studio in my house I gotta get my own camera I gotta get my own right. equipment so I started researching that and so I do all my self-tapes here and so the last two big projects that I booked I booked them here in my studio where wow. I set up my camera I set up my lights I have my backdrop I work with somebody on tape on on the computer so my, my reader is virtual. It's a real person, but he's, you know, he's not in person. And, um, and yeah. And right before I booked these two, crazy thing is I get a request 
and I, I don't really, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I can't disclose too much, but it was for a very, very big project. It was a lead role. It was right before COVID hit. And I actually shot it here in my studio, series regular, six-year contract, straight to series, 22 episodes of series. Like it was huge role. Wow. Can't say who, what, who it's for, who the, who's behind it or whatever, but it's very, very, it was very big. And I knew all I had under my belt were co-star roles. This reel with student films and all the classes and workshops I had taken. Never worked on a series regular, never had a recurring, never was a, co- a guest star, wasn't any of that. And I did the, the tape. It was two scenes, English and Spanish. And then two big casting directors told my agent in Atlanta, because this was through Atlanta, not even my New York agent. They said, we want, we want to see, we want to do a callback with her. We, we love her. It was two girls, New York, two girls, LA, and then me from Miami. Wow. So I did the callback here in the, in my studio at home. And they were like, all right, we want to fly you out to LA. You need to test with the main star. Wow. A no name, a no name, which I don't even like to say that because I do have a name and, you know, but I was like, is this really happening? So they flew me out. I went to one of the biggest studios there. Like it was like network executives were there the star walked in, you know, I could, I could write a whole book about what it is to test as, as a, like a, an actor that has never, you know, I was like, oh my God. I remember I went to Whole Foods and I took a pill of GABA calm because I was like, I need to calm myself. I was literally meditating. I, I have never said this story, by the way. So you guys are getting like, you know. Exclusives. We love exclusive at Screen Heat. <laughs> and I, by the way, I think I know that Whole Foods, by the way, because I used to live in LA. So I'm, I, <laughs> So, um, so I remember listening to Eminem, that song by Eminem. That oh yeah. The eight, eight mile song, of course. Yeah, that, the moment. That, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I, I had my AirPod, my earphones on and I was just listening. I had, I walked in there and I was shit, not shit. Internally. I was nervous. I was pre- very prepared, extremely prepared for my audition, but I still was, and, and I consider myself a pretty confident person you know, because I prepare and because I am there, you know, that's what you, you, you get there on time. You do what you got to do. That's what separates the men from the boys. And, but even with everything, all the proper, I was like, oh my God, so much is writing on this. Like, this is like, it's like, this is like the Olympics for actors. And so I remember walking in there, I had my hands and I was like listening to like, I was listening to Eminem on repeat. I memorized that freaking song. And she comes in and she's like, casting director comes in and she gives me a big hug I've, I mean I had only seen her in a callback session on Skype oh, but wow. was, she gives me a hug and she's like you're gonna do great we believe in you you're amazing oh wow that's great and I was I had never had that I was like blown away I was like we're all human that's what we're like we're all so I walked in um it's like 10 people sitting I was like I I don't know it was all a blur afterwards. No, but it, you know, I, I learned a lot and I didn't book it, but I did realize I was like, if I'm here now, it's going to be a matter of time, whether, you know, before I'm here again. Right. And it, it was not an if, but a when at that point. Right. And then it also, it also changed a lot of perspective for me too, because I was like, all right, for the next six or seven years, working four to six months, I think the locations were like Canada and Los Angeles. 
I don't want to give too much away, but that's not, that's very general. Uh, Canada, it was four to six months for the next seven years, four to six months between Canada and LA working on a project. And I said, I said, hold on a second. I said, Arlen, for the next seven years of your life, do you want to be working four to six months between Canada and LA? Meaning you have to get, have to be away from your family, away from your kids, mm-hmm. missing games, missing this, missing that. And it's, this is a career path that I've chosen, but that's why I, 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 it changed my perspective where I said, wait, I was like, it's so important to know what it is that I want, like what kind of projects I'm, I want to be working on or what I want to do. I'm putting all this hard work, this effort, this grit, this tenacity, this focus, but am I gearing it towards something that ultimately is going to be beneficial for me and for my family? And so, and so that was a big perspective shift. And that's where I'm, where I'm going with that. And I feel like a lot of us are just more like, you know, a lot of us actors. And I just want to talk for myself again. I keep on saying a lot of us. I'm talking for myself. A lot of times I was like, I just want to, I want, I just want to work. I just want to work. I want to audition. I want, and it's like, okay, wait, perfect. You work, you shoot something, you come back a couple of days, a week, two weeks, next seven years, is a big commitment, four to six months out of the year, especially when you have a family, you know? So Right. My answers are very long-winded, so. No, no, <laughs> that's, that's okay. We love long-winded for, answers. Yeah, long-form podcast that actually helps the cause. So, yeah. but no, it's a lot of great information. Like you're saying, Kevin, so much that the younger actors that are getting into the game are learning. You know, I love mm-hmm. what you said about, you know, you were very prepared, but it almost seemed like when you were walking into that big audition, you had to let go of all that and be in the moment. So it's like, prepare, 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 then just kind of let it all go and then just kind of embrace the moment and see what happens. Because oftentimes a lot of the final decisions is out of your control, right? You, you do the best you can, but sometimes decisions are made. Sometimes they're creative decisions. Sometimes they're technical business decisions. You never know. Uh, but like you said, you just always got to prepare and be in that moment. But, you know, I kind of want to shift because uh, one of the big roles, that you, I, and I, I believe you can see season two of The Young Rock. So how did that come about? Uh, obviously, you had worked previously with The Rock on Ballers. You met Danny at a gym. So is was this a relationship thing where you were able to get the audition or was it another just kind of like you went in and read? Absolutely not. It was not a relationship thing. It was actually, it was universe. My agent in New York. So I got an agent in New York, right? At some point <laughs> after I, I booked these, even after, after I tested at this, at the studio, you know, I started and I said, all right, I need to get agents, an agent somewhere else in one of the bigger markets. And so I got an agent in New York and, um, and she started sending me requests and the requests were pretty big requests, like, you know, like series regulars, recurring things like that. And she's like, all right, you got the chops. Like you could do this. And, and I remember, you know, I remember getting the audition, getting the request for Young Rock and the role said Gabby Diaz. And, and I was like, oh, cool. Young Rock. Yeah. Isn't this a story about Dwayne Johnson's life? Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Oh, and then I remember I, like, I read the location. I'm like, Brisbane, Australia. I started cracking up. I was like, whatever. Uh, like in my mind, I'm like, my, I always had on my bucket list. I'm like, I want to go to Australia amongst other places I want to go. But I was like, I want to go to Australia at one point. I want this. Okay. Talk about manifestation. And so I want to work with Danny Garcia, Dwayne Johnson. I want to go to Australia. I'm telling you, this is years, years ago. And, uh, and I do the tape. And I remember, I think I'd shot it. Like we, I, we did it maybe twice or three times. Cause I was like, whatever, you know, prepared, did my preparation, my stuff. And, and then I said, I'm sending it whatever, this is what I'm, you know, 
And I remember telling the, my friend Rez that we, he's one of the main guys that I work with as my reader. He's great. London-based actor. He says to me, he's in LA. He's like, he's like, oh, so what do you, and I was like, I was like, it's fine. I was like, I was like, I don't even, you know, it's Australia. This is not gonna, whatever. I mean, we did good, but, and he was like, he's like, okay, all right, well, have a good night, whatever. I get COVID. Fast forward, I get COVID. Oh. And my agent, I'm in my bed and I'm like, ooh. And my agent's like, guess what? And I had a feeling. I had a feeling she was, she's like, you booked Young Rock. And I was like, <laughs> oh. And she's like, you booked Young Rock. So when I submitted my tape for Young Rock, I submitted my reel. And in my reel, guess what my first scene was? My scene on Ballers with Dwayne Johnson. Sure. Oh, that's great. Business marketing 101. Well, but it was there. It wasn't like I was like, let me pull this out of my sleeve. No, it was there, baby. It was all already. Yeah, it, was, great. it was destiny. It was, yeah. it was working. It's right. It was working its way there. And in hindsight, yeah. when we look at all the pieces, we're like, <laughs> again i'm very expressive and i need to be talking more i stay quiet but basically it was like oh then this happened oh and then this happened oh and then this. so yeah so and then i book it and i was like and mind you at that point we all had covid here in my house and i was like oh, wow. my family we all have covid i don't know i told my agent i was like i don't know i can respond to this right now you know and she's like okay honey you know just you know get well think about it let me know don't i was like okay and i really wanted to take it but i was like terrified i was like flying ten thousand miles away from my house right i have covid i mean i wasn't flying then it was gonna be months later but i was like i have covid you know the world is not what it was before covid and so i was like by myself i was like leaving my family here and then i was like i don't even know and, blah, blah, blah. and then i and then i had to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel where i could not leave the hotel wow. room at all for two weeks and man God, I almost feel like my eyes get watery because it's like, what a pivotal, what a, what a, what a moment in my life. Like it, I just went through it, but it's changed my life so much yeah. and not just professionally, but also personally yeah. so much. That's yeah. incredible. And especially after hearing that journey, you know, what a, what a path and that you that you blazed through and you actually were actively uh creating a lot of the opportunities so that's that's really amazing uh, so with that your next steps mm -hmm. and yeah no yeah um Wow, <laughs> give it a moment. Because <laughs> I jumped Kevin, to the next. This is, this is his SNL moment. You remember that Mike Myers skit? I'm a little for crunt. I think I'm going to cry. Give yourselves a topic. Chicks, peas, and eat a chicks, no peas. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is something that we did not connect on because your business side came into play in another way because you have another title working with content and we did not even discuss that. 
Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I can. So in my journey of traveling for acting, taking workshops and meeting people and networking, because ultimately, and if it's one thing that the listeners are going to take away from this podcast, it's one thing, your network is your net worth and not just financially, but in anything, in personal relationships, in, in, in everything, in career building and learning everything. So I began networking and talking and meeting people. And in one of those moments, I, rem- I remember meeting Raymond Drummer. She is the main casting director for Tyler Perry in a workshop. And I took her workshop and I had already booked, she had already booked me prior to meeting her in her workshop. She already booked me for the have and the have nots for actually I had a recurring guest star on the the have and the have nots. That was my, my bigger, my next bigger. Um, and, and she, you know, such great energy. So, you know, helpful. And I remember saying to her, I was like, you know, we had, I think that lunch that day or the next day, because I was in town for a couple of days in Atlanta. And she says to me, she makes a comment to me about the gentleman that was the president of the studio. And she said, oh, because he's, you know, um, and I asked her about him and I said, oh, really? And she's like, yeah, his name is Ozzy Rue. He's Cuban. And I, and I said, what? I was like, really? I had no idea. I had no the history behind like the president. Of the student. And so I start researching Ozzy Rue. This was years ago, researching Ozzy Rue, total Cinderella story. He was like a gay boy at Warner Brothers uh, studio when he was a young mm-hmm. kid, son of, you know, single mom three, four brothers, you know, three brothers. I think he has a sister as well, uh, two brothers and a sister. And, uh, and so I started learning about him and I reach out to him. Like I said, I always go for the big ones, you know, like, I'm like, this is me. This is who I am. This is what, you know, and I started bringing value to him. And I said, listen, I have read about your story. I, my vision aligns with your vision, what you're doing you know, for minorities, for, you know, the marginalized communities, inclusion, all the things that you are about, I am about, and I am here to support you. And I am here to bring value. And I didn't ask him, what is it that you need? I began brainstorming. If this were my studio, if this is what I was doing, what would I look for? And so all these, I mean, this is a whole other podcast that we can go into, but that's how that relationship dynamic began. There was nothing. I wasn't gaining anything from him. I wasn't getting anything. And until this day, I haven't. It's been more about like, listen, what do we need to get? We need to get, you know, what we, investor, what business ideas. Do we have this or that? And, and I started visiting Atlanta. I would sometimes go to Atlanta to have dinner with, with like someone that I networked with that I thought would be a potential and then fly back the next morning. Wow. Sometimes I'd go the same day, fly back at night. I do that in New York too. I fly in the morning, have my meeting, come back at night. Sometimes on the airport, six, seven hours waiting for my flight, you know, when I just had like an hour meeting. Like those are the kind of things that I saw myself doing, but I was like, I got to do this. This is what I got to do. I'm not going to wow. get anything done sitting in my office in Florida. Right. Gotta move. Wow. And so beginning of last year or mid, uh, Ozzy says to me, I want you to be vice president of, of content for the studio. Wow. And I was like, I, I mean, I didn't ask him for that. He was like, 
He's like, you're, you're a badass. Like you're amazing and you're a hustler. And I want you to be officially be part of my team. Mm. And so I was like, yes. I was like, okay. And, uh, and it's a work in progress, you know, it's a work in progress. And it all comes from the same, having the same vision, similar vision, um, you know, talking, bringing value, communicating, finding other players, you know? So that's, that's, that's a big piece of the puzzle. And I, and I always knew I was like, you know, other things that I work on when I, my, one of my biggest goals, my biggest dreams is to create a show where I'm in front and behind the camera. Uh. And so I, I haven't defined that a thousand percent and delineated exactly what I want that to look like, but I know that it's going to include or be a, under the house or hub of a Rubro Studios. Hmm. I mean, I, yeah, no, and obviously, look, a lot of major stars now are transitioning to the sort of EP role. They have their own production companies. First look deals. You talk about The Rock has a huge output deal now with Netflix. Obviously, he's also producing his own series on NBC. So obviously, you've seen that there is a trajectory for that in the industry. Uh, and so ideally, if you could put on, you know, your, your genie hat, what kind of project could you envision you doing under this sort of umbrella, whether it's in a Rue Brothers, is it a, is it a sitcom? Is it a drama? Is it a big epic feature film? Like what, where would you see yourself going if you were to put on that sort of development producer hat? I definitely see it going towards, uh, an episodic, a show as opposed to a film. I think films are great, but I feel that uh, I gravitate more towards watching TV shows. I feel like it's a lot more viewer friendly. Sometimes we don't have two and a half hours to sit and watch a movie. It's great. I mean, I love blockbuster nights. I love movie nights, but they come few and far between for me as opposed to, unless it's a film that's like you're recommended or, but shows are like 30 minutes, an hour, you know, you're cooking, you're in the house, the family, the kid, what, or you're sit down and you're like, all right, this is my time to watch the show that I enjoy. And it's a story I've been following. So for me, it's a lot sexier and more attractive to produce a show as opposed to producing a film. That's, that's my opinion. That's what I, what I envision. And as far as type, I, um, it probably would fall between a drama, like a Ozark vibe. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah. I love that. I love okay. that. Um, Handmaid's Tale too. It's a little heavy, but I love like that, that very gritty, real, you know, Julie Garner and, you know, the, the Jason Bateman, that, that show is just freaking amazing. And that's a big inspiration for me, for my show. Wow. My Two of my favorite shows. So <laughs> yeah. maybe we'll do something together. Or um, I, I can see you doing like a Cuban flea bag, like something like that. Where it's like yeah, a Cuban flea bag. Like, yeah, you have like a similar yeah, vibe, great. just personality and the charm, but I can see you kind of going into like some dark places. Also, it's hilarious. So that could be a and the show have, will definitely yeah. uh, it, it will be an inclusive an inclusive show. Absolutely, yes. We're, we're brainstorming ideas here. We've turned it into a writers' room. Thank you. So. I <laughs> <laughs> They're welcome. Yeah. So uh, we're coming to the end of the interview, and we have two questions that we always ask at the end of the interview. I mean, wow, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head for one of the questions, but we're going to ask it anyway. And so um, I'm gonna start this one off. Usually it's JL starting this one off. 
But uh, if you could go back to an Arlen Brochet in high school and have a conversation with yourself, what advice or just what words would you have with that high school Arlen Brochet? Be open. Stay humble. Um, keep working. It's okay. Mess up. Fail. Fail forward. It's going to be okay. You're going to kick ass. Just keep going. Keep going. You got this. We're all human. We're on this together. Poignant Advice. words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely poignant words. Uh, JL, the baton is in your hand, my friend. Yes, sir. So uh, part two of that is, you know, coming back to today. Uh, and so you've taken the DeLorean back to 2022. And now you're just kind of speaking <laughs> to, uh, to, you know, either up and coming actors or folks that want to get into the entertainment industry today, and maybe folks that have been in the industry for a while, but kind of feel like they've lost momentum, they've lost sort of focus of what they want, what advice would you give uh, to them, uh, you know, starting out in the business today? Starting out in the business, um, I would definitely tell them to use the tools that they have online because honestly, I feel that it's that opportunities as far as working for actors are everywhere now. Before you had to get the request and you had to go into the casting director's office and you had to go in person and audition in the room. It's like self, we live in a world of self tapes. You don't have to have a room for a self tape. You could put a backdrop, get yourself your, your iPhone, get yourself on Amazon for 40 bucks, nice too, and like lights. And find yourself someone on, look, go to We Audition. You can get a reader for 10 bucks on We Audition. Cheap, like you can do this. It's, it's, it's something that you can do from your home. It doesn't have to be as hard as it was for actors back in the day. So get yourself that equipment, watch videos, use the internet, the power of the internet and study your market. You know, do you live somewhere that, you know, even if you don't live in LA or New York, get yourself an agent, you know, make those decisions, set aside some money, budget yourself, make a business plan for your acting career, make a business plan, set aside, you know, instead of saying, I'm going to go out to dinner and spend two, 300, but whatever it is, save that money, use that money for when you have a trip, you know, get a credit card that has points to fly has points for hotel rooms. If you need to stay in a hotel room, because you don't know somebody in, I don't know, South Carolina, and you need to fly out there to go for a callback or a test or whatever it is, you know, a test normally they pay for it, but put your business hat on. You're a creative, but you're also a business person. You're running your own business, which is the art of entertainment, the art of storytelling. Learn the technical, learn all the other things. You're your own manager, your own business person, more than like your manager and your agent and you yourself. 
be accountable. It takes a lot of discipline. It's like an actor is very much like an athlete. And a lot of times we, I get lazy, you know? Oh, no, no. Stay focused. What do you got to do? You got to do this audition. It's do so much, you know, don't leave it to the last minute. Give yourself, you know, schedule it. So those are big pointers that a lot of people starting out need to take into consideration to actually take on a full-on acting career. And it's a lot of research. That's a lot of, of work and discipline. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Invest in yourself. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know, an entrepreneur, any startup company, whether it's, you know, creative or tech or, you know, a bakery, you know, you have to, like you said, treat yourself as a business. I like that. Yeah. And, you know, I always tell my students, you know, learn as much as you can about other areas because understanding that helps you in whatever specific focus area that you're in. So that's also uh, great advice that you just gave. And this has been such an amazing, amazing interview. Um, I, I, I would dare call it electric. This interview was certainly electric and electrifying so much yeah so uh congratulations on your golden orange uh winning that award at the mmfm oh there you go That's... oh yeah so we said we're, <laughs> we we said we're not gonna do video there you go <laughs> we have to at least Love put it. this on video yeah. yes yes put on video there you go. There you go. Screenshot that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been an amazing interview. And uh, we yeah. look forward to walking that path with you as you ascend so up much. in your career. Thank you so much. And yes. feel free to reach out and, you know, I'm here, Miami. Awesome. Well, you know, I'll be in touch. <laughs> Our hometown, baby. Let's go. I love it. it yeah, make it happen, baby. 305 all day. Yes. All right. We're back. Yes. Another one. DJ Khaled style. Another one. <laughs> Another incredible one, man. I mean, just incredible mm. um, person. Yeah. Way to build a career. Mm. I mean, yeah. Wow. And one that's still on, you know, sort of in the upward track there, uh, still a story that she's telling in terms of her professional journey uh, as an actor and, and kind of really making things happen. While, again, we always point out anytime it's a hometown hero from 305 doing it here while raising a family, being married, you know, running a business, like all of that, just kind of showing how if there is a will, there is a way. And she definitely found her way and doing just an amazing work out there. Yeah. And working with some of the biggest people in the business. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So speaking of making it happen, and we talked about comebacks before the jump, Netflix bouncing back with some nice Q3 numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I, so everyone was talking about Netflix. They lost about 3 million subscribers, 3.1 million subscribers in the last quarter. And so I thought, it was a correction coming back from the shutdown. I mean, it just seems pretty obvious. Right. You're going to pick up more subscribers because, let's say the shutdown, but the totality of the pandemic. 
You're going to pick up subscribers because people are at home. What are they going to do? They're going to subscribe to Netflix and they're at home around the world. Mm. And so I felt it was a correction. To me, it seems like this is part of that balance. You know, this correction, of course, they have aggressively pushed towards ensuring that they start to get these subscribers back. But, you know, I love Netflix. Now, I think that that price hike that they had, you know, that was a that was a kind of a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. But uh, not for me. I write it off my taxes at the end of the year. But I, I can imagine it's a harder pill to swallow when you have all these other streaming services and all these amazing uh, films and projects coming out. Lord of the Rings, we didn't talk about that. We'll talk about that in just a second. Yeah. Lord of the Rings versus Game of Thrones. Hmm. We'll talk about that in a second. Oh but, um, you know, there's a lot of offerings and, and a lot of places that you can go to spend your money. So Netflix, it still is, it has the muscle. I mean, they're so far ahead of everybody else. But to see them come with 2.8 million subscribers in this quarter, and that's before they start with this ad-supported, which I think is going to work pretty well for them, this ad-supported version of Netflix, I think they're going to be not just okay, they're going to be better than okay. They're going to come back bigger. Oh yeah, so they, they've already said you know two point four million was the growth in quarter three, which was a nice sort of surprise for their Wall Street uh, investors. They've also are now forecasting a four point five million new streaming subscribers. Now this takes into account that on November third is when the ad supported plan is going to be rolling out and available to subscribers. For those that don't know, this will be a three dollar discount from the normal price, so it'll be a six ninety nine price point for ad-supported Netflix content, which will be an interesting new experience for folks that decide to downgrade, I guess. But we'll see, you know, how that does. But they, you know, Netflix is sort of saying, look, it may take a while for this to catch on. So don't expect a huge jump, but we are looking at another sort of growth quarter uh, with the new ad-supported model next month. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's just a downgrade. I think it also opens it up to people that were on the fence. Or some sure. people that were on the fence. And yeah. so, again, it's not a lot of money, but oftentimes, you know, those little, little bits and pieces help to yeah. move the needle just a bit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's all you need is a needle to move a little bit. And that's right. going to help them, I believe, to experiment a little bit more with, you know, different strategies. Uh, they're not moving back from releasing everything all at the same time. Right. So, was, the binging model is going to remain. So for all you Netflix binge obsessed subscribers, you will continue to have the all you can eat buffet version of Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. But you know what? I have a question, man. And I'm sure the listeners want to know what is Hollywood actually earning in streaming? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a big question. It is. You know, we hear all this talk about subscriber numbers and the billions that each of these major streamers and and platforms are spending a year on content. But how much are the creatives, the executives actually making? And that question was at least partially answered by uh, The Hollywood Reporter recently in an article where they actually did a a salary survey uh, just to answer that question. What does Hollywood earn now from the stars to the C-suite execs, the agents? Uh, in the new streaming era and you know some interesting numbers you know some that are sort of predictable but 
you know, uh, actors, for example, for most name actors are somewhere in the two to four million dollar range. Uh, obviously, there are the rare exceptions, uh, a la the Tom Cruises of the world, who still have uh, what we call the, and this is sort of a unicorn now in the industry to have first dollar gross on their theatrical releases. Of course, he has the biggest movie of the year right now in Top Gun Maverick, where he's actually expected to make north of $100 million on that film. Uh, now, granted, he is also a producer on the film uh, and the star. And so that is to be expected. But for other actors, you know, that are a little closer to reality, I guess, to earth, <laughs> which, you know, that's another article we didn't get into, but Tom Cruise apparently is making his next movie in outer space. Uh, we'll see what that does. Uh, but yeah, he's, a, well, not the whole movie. Right. He's just going to go. Well, I don't know. Some people say he's going to go. Some people are not. Right, right. He would do it. Tom Cruise, he does all his own stunts. I mean, crazy. This guy. Him and Jeff Bezos, maybe they'll have a scene up there. <laughs> maybe. Billionaires in space. Um, so, so yes, that's going to be interesting. But, you know, uh, other folks in the industry, uh, you know, you can, little known actors, for example, for those of you who want to know, when I get my first big break to star in my first feature film, what can I expect to make? Well, it's SAG after scale, which is $65,000. Uh, a far cry from the millions that Tom Cruise is pulling in, or uh, Zendaya for that matter, which is reported to make uh, eight to ten million dollars for her next film with MGM. Uh, not a bad chunk of change, but if you're just starting out, sixty-five thousand dollars plus to say you're the star in a movie, I think you'll take it. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Uh, directors, it's not bad at all. Yes, our tours. There's another huge range here. Anywhere from 450k to 20 million dollars to oh, direct something okay. in the streaming age. So yes, again, Scorsese there at the top. Right, right. The Spielbergs of the world. Uh, you uh -huh. know, obviously <laughs> towards the upper echelons. Uh, but you know, anywhere from DJ scale to 450k, 750k in, in fees. That's sort of the range that folks are talking about. Uh, your second film. Uh, considering you maybe had a success on your first, could be more in the one to two million dollar range, according to sources. Uh, for more experienced directors, like we mentioned, the Spielbergs and the Scorseses of the world, streamers are paying anywhere from four to seven million, while studios are paying anywhere between two and a half to five million. Again, that doesn't include the upper echelon, which maxes out at around twenty million dollars. How about our writers? Of course, you can't have a feature unless you have a script, right? So starts what the, there. <laughs> what are the scribes making? Well, again, uh, a wide range here, according to the HR survey, 75,000 at the bottom, all the way up to 2 million towards the top end. Uh, okay. And it, uh, similarly, showrunners who run some of those great TV productions that we're used to seeing now on the major platforms and streamers, uh, they do a lot of what's called dollar per point bonuses. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with longevity, uh, which is apparently where TV writers and showrunners really get paid. So if you can have a show that kind of bumps into a second season, all the way up to a sixth season, your points could be worth anywhere between 150000 to 189000 a point, uh, putting the big showrunners into the millions in terms of their earnings. Uh, TV writers, again, uh, could be anywhere from 7,600 to 12,500 a week. 
which, you know, for the average working man sounds like quite a lot, uh, but yeah. that could be as much as 40 to 75,000 a week at the higher levels. Uh, again, TV directors, anywhere from 150K to 500K for the pilot. Uh, In-demand and experienced directors could earn uh, close to a half million just for the pilot. And then from there, it's the standard 30 to 60K an episode, unless your director has an EP credit uh, and can cash in on those fees, which could generate another 30 to 50K an episode on top of their directing fees. Uh, and so how about the folks making those deals? Our studio chiefs, that's, uh, that's a bigger number because obviously you're a chief of a studio, two to 20 plus million dollars. Uh, for example, Netflix's Scott Stuber makes 18 million a year. Uh, while a, a other studio motion picture group presidents earn between four to five million. Again, this is before incentives, bonuses, yep. and of course, those amazing stocks options. Scott Stuber is going to be okay. He, yes, Golden Parachute. He brought it back. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he, he brought it back. <laughs> yeah, you know, he did. And th this, is, this is incredible because, and I talked about this at the top of the key, Lord of the Rings. Right. I want to talk about prices, price tags mm. on a lot of these streaming projects. Well, I'm going to talk about one price tag because I'm not okay. going to talk about Game of Thrones, which can go to get you know, $10 million an episode, $15 million an episode. Lord of the Rings, a billion dollars, the most expensive show ever made. Yep. Now, we talked about Jeff Bezos, and there you go. He's, uh, He's 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 putting the 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 budgets of these shows in outer space. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> Man, I just saw that Mackenzie Bezos has given away fourteen billion dollars. Wow! So far, with a B. Wow, that's a lot of more money than Jeff Bezos has given in his entire lifetime. Wow. She's done it in just a few years. Wow. But I digress. Right. <laughs> he spent a billion dollars on Lord of the Rings. I was going to say, he needs the money to, to fund more content. To fund more content. Can't just be giving it away. Spaceships. Yeah. Spaceships and content. But, but apparently he did have a uh, one particular advisor, let's call it, that came to him specifically about Rings of Power, which apparently was his son, who's a huge fan of the show, uh, of the oh. franchise, should I say, and yeah. actually had, you know, uh, choice words for his dad. Essentially, he said, don't F it up, <laughs> was his, <laughs> his advice to dad. Uh, yeah, so, well, yeah. you know what? I can tell you that um, fortunately, they didn't. It's great. Didn't. It's a great yeah. series. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty brilliant. Mm. And you know, did they put it up on the screen? They did. You know, it looks amazing. Every it pours that billion dollars out of every pixel. Mm. So, you know, congratulations. I was a little bit I mean, I don't run Amazon, so who cares? <laughs> but uh I was worried a billion dollars and you know, you have three of the biggest classics in cinematic history. Hmm. The first three Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Now, the Hobbit series, yeah, it was great. You know, it's whatever. 
you know i do still watch the lord anytime i get a chance to watch the three lord of the rings movies i watch them and so that you know that that's a big barrier to cross you shall not pass and they passed <laughs> oh, they and they succeeded so congratulations mm-hmm. congratulations on lord of the rings and you automatically people are going to set up this competition lord of the rings and the new I said Game of Thrones, but it's not called Game of Thrones. Um, the new Game of Thrones, which is called, let's see, I mean, Lord of the Rings is the Rings of Power. So I'm calling it Lord of the Rings. Um, the new Game of Thrones, which is called- uh, House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon. That's right. Mm-hmm. House which, of the Dragon. Getting close to its last episode of the season, HBO, I believe this weekend, you'll be able to see- yeah how at least season one ends of this prequel, uh, the first official prequel in the Game of Thrones uh, family and uh, and what a family it is. <laughs> if you've been following that series. Uh, more incest. <laughs> oh, more, yeah, yeah, more, uh, you know, in, in fighting and family drama and whatever, but they put it in, they put it on the screen too. I mean, I really love that series. Yeah. And so- it's like apples and oranges. Yep. But and you know, that goes to show you, you don't have to spend a billion dollars. I mean, $10 million and $15 million an episode is still a lot of money. You still get some great looking but, dragons for that much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, certainly, you know, when you have incredible material and great writers and great story, right. that is really what, and acting and directing and everything that goes with it. Hmm. that's what elevates so it could be a billion dollars it could be a hundred million it doesn't even have to be that which the story that i want to end on is about documentary Hmm. and this is the golden age of documentary so you know i get the hard copy of hollywood reporter and sometimes they're sending three a week depending on the season award season or whatever it is but i like to have the hard copy because sometimes you know the hard copy they have different things than they have on the online copy And so they sent the copy, and this is um, from about a month ago, and the article, or on the cover, it says, with streaming supercharging the once sleepy nonfiction scene into a money-making juggernaut, insiders ride the wave even as they worry about rising costs, cutting corners, and the very soul of their work. So documentaries which a lot of people thought the golden age of documentaries was about five years ago, even seven years ago. This really is the golden age of documentaries because you know people are making really, really powerful and incredible stories in the nonfiction realm that are as strong as stories that are in the narrative realm and they're being paid for it and handsomely. And so that's, Really, you know, when you hear these kinds of things, and I'm also a documentary filmmaker, it does give you this kind of, you know, hope for the industry. But also, you know, if you're a content creator, you're a filmmaker, or whatever it is that you do in the industry, it does let you know that this industry is going to move on and do well. And mm-hmm. you, you have an opportunity to participate on many different levels. Right. So that was yeah. really great hearing that. Yeah, no, that is 
very good news. Uh, and like you said, you know, documentaries being such an important part of our industry and an industry that is constantly evolving, constantly changing, constantly more new things happening. And, you know, you always want to make sure that you have your best content to put out there, because as we know, content is king. And if you're lucky, a good agent to represent you. That was the one number we didn't mention before. Uh, our yeah. agents making anywhere from 65K to $4 million a year. Wide gamut between. That is a big, yeah, is yes. a big gap. The, the junior agent. You've been on both sides, man. You were I on the say. smaller agency side. You worked on the bigger agency side. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you talked about the hard copy of the HR, you know, those those lowly mailroom employees, which, you know, kind of sparked that whole pay up Hollywood but with the minimum wage of delivering hard copies of the HR and the variety to the different agents, uh, yeah. you know, and how they've got to kind of work their way up. But again, there is an upside. You could become Ari Emanuel with a base salary of $4 million, a target bonus of $6 million. It doesn't include his IPO equity award of $293 million. So, <laughs> right. Long, Why even mention those first two? Yeah. Long way from yeah. the mailroom. Uh, but it can happen. If it happened to Ari, it can happen to you. <laughs> okay. All right, man. On that note, uh, that, that's another Screen Heat Miami in the can. We have some big interviews coming up. I mean, every interview is big. Like we said at the top, even when we have interviews of people that, um, we know are doing big things and maybe the rest of the world doesn't know a lot of things that they're doing. Boom. There they go. So keep coming back. Every episode is big. Absolutely correct. My friend, each one is big worth revisiting because we have a good number of podcasts now, including this one that you can go back and, and stream or restream unto your heart is content because we also have now the Netflix binge model. You can binge all of our 70 plus episodes. All right. Until next week, I'm Kevin Sharpley. Jail Martinez. Boom. Dolly. <laughs>